The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. We're doing the FODMAP diet. I thought that was a misprint because I'm like, that doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue. FODMAP? Who came up with that name? Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Phillipson. Have you ever come across an acronym that you just couldn't figure out? A colleague at work shared with me lately that he just learned what LMAO stood for. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that did make that did LMAO. Where in the world has that man been living? I don't know. But then there's how about how about diets? Sure, there's the DASH diet, which is actually the dietary approach to stopping hypertension. Then there's the GAPS diet, which comes from the gut and psychology syndrome diet. But what about the FODMAP diet? <laughs> Have you ever heard of that one? No, because it doesn't roll off the tongue. That's a terrible name. That's terrible. Isn't it? Isn't it? All will will be revealed. Hang tight. Hang tight. Well, I'm telling you, whoever's in the marketing department for the the FODMAT people needs to be fired. That's terrible. (laughs) I mean, listen, we got an F-O-D-M-A-P. I mean, can we not put them together in a different order? Like um, uh, Pam Doff. No, that's no better. That's not good. (laughs) Dop Pamph. Nope. Uh, Mad Fop. That's not bad. Mad Fop. I like that. Okay, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Just keep, keep your day job there, Chris, okay. please. <laughs> all right. Well, on the heels of episode 98, all about candida, fungus, and yeast, I thought an episode about FODMAPs could be really helpful as I had so many emails, texts, and messages on social media. And there are a lot of frustrated people out there that are dealing with gut issues. Clearly, the more information that you have to help identify all these health issues, the more empowered people feel. It's like somebody mentions a whole long list and it's like you're seen. Do you know what I mean, Chris? Like, yes, I've got that. Yes, I've got that. Yes, I've got that. Oh my gosh, you said all of that in the same sentence? Are you trying to tell me that you can connect the dots to all of those things? And then you can just breathe a sigh of relief because you're not going crazy just because maybe if you visited your doctor and they said, no, nope, nope, that doesn't connect or those kind of things. So thank you everybody for reaching out after that episode. And, uh, and if I haven't got back to you yet, I absolutely will. And just keep them coming. Now the FODMAP diet it is one for those gut issues like IBS, SIBO, S-I-B-O. See, there's another couple of acronyms there. If you're not sure what those are, it's irritable bowel syndrome. And SIBO or SIBO is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which is just a little higher up in the, in the digestive system as opposed to in the large intestine or within the colon. There's also bloating, gas, and, and pain. Like sometimes you just have abdominal pain without diarrhea or constipation, which is more typical for IBS. 
in case you didn't realize, if you haven't listened to this episode or sorry, listened to this podcast before, I do definitely geek out on all things gut related. And it really has been a practice of my everything that I've done over 20 years of being a nutritionist. And I think that this is a diet that could help to ease your gut issues and the pain and the stress. Now, although it's actually called a diet, it's not long-term. It's not going to become your lifestyle. Let's say a keto or paleo or something like that, where you start it and you find, oh yeah, I think I can keep on this. Eliminating certain foods, which is at the basis of the FODMAP diet, and I promise I will get to, to all of this, can help you know those foods that trigger your gut issues. So it's really a one big fat experiment, and I think it's really worth it. Now, not something necessarily to be undertaken without some help from a nutritionist like me, but there is a way, a structured way of working through an elimination and then reintroduction diet in order to find out that does broccoli or cabbage or cauliflower set off this gas storm that's going through your belly and just causes you pain and discomfort all day. So today on Eat This with Leanne, the FODMAP diet. What do all those letters stand for? What on earth is it? And is it right for you? So IBS, SIBO, bloating, fatulence, fatulence, no, flatulence. Okay, IBS, SIBO, bloating, fat. I did it again. <laughs> Just say farting. Farting, okay. <laughs> IBS, SIBO, bloating, farting, gas pain, discomfort can really take up a lot of your day's focus. This past week, I had a really odd, heavy feeling in my abdomen, and it was all that I could think about at work, whether I was standing at my desk or sitting at my desk. It was just there. It was just tiring by the end of the day, like mentally tiring and also really draining. Now, when your body sees any kind of pain, it's in fact in itself is a stress that your body's going through, that sore shoulder, this gut pain, whatever it happens to be. But then as well as the stress of, in the case of the gut stuff, not having some sort of predictable bowel habit. Maybe you're out and about. And I've had clients who have different apps of knowing where there are washrooms because their IBS all of a sudden flares up. And no matter where they happen to be going, they know that when it's time, they got to make it to the bathroom. Then, of course, there's the embarrassment of the gassiness and depending on the type of person that you are can actually be quite embarrassing or for some feel quite proud that stinking up a room and making everybody else run for cover is actually a really good thing. I'm so glad that you brought that up, that you actually didn't just stay on the one side of the fence. You came over to the stinky side of the fence with the rest of us all there smiling and going, yeah, good one, man. And of course, I thought of you as I, was, as I put that together. You know, I, was like, I find more more and more women on my side of the fence, which is great. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could, <laughs> 20 years ago, forget it. Women didn't even fart. Yeah. Like, it didn't happen. No, they didn't. Didn't no, happen. No. No. Fl- flutter, maybe. No. Or maybe like some sort of puff. Was it called something like that? Right? I love or it. no, what you, what you do with your kids. Oh, did you, did you just toot? <laughs> yeah, you blame it on the dog or the kids or the floor. <laughs> boards. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> what did my mom used to say? Oh, that one came out on carpet slippers. 
<laughs> Good one. Because yeah. maybe you're always running for cover and you're like, where did that come from? It's only your mom in the kitchen. <laughs> and then you look at her my, and I was like, what just happened? <laughs> my dad used to call it the, I don't know why, the African barking spider. That's what he used to say. See, that just ran right across the floor. See that African barking spider. Do you hear that? You hear it call for you? What? Where did <laughs> where, come from? I don't know. <laughs> see, now, now I have to Google African barking spider to see if it even exists. Of course. Of course. All right. Well, listeners, what have you got other than it come, out, come out on, what did I just say? Come out on carpet slippers? Carpets. Is that what are Carpet slippers and Chris's spider. Oh, what have you guys got? Because that's going to be a whole episode unto itself. Oh, my God. All right. We are way off base. All right. Here. Let's go. Back, back to it. All right. So what what's underlying any kind of gut issues is that your gut isn't healthy. Now, possibly from what I mentioned in the Candida episode, you know, some overgrowth or some imbalance of the microbiome in your gut. You know, that's the ratio of the good guys to the bad guys. And if it's not around like 80% good guys and 20% bad guys, then there can be an issue. Your issues, they come from, you know, something like a parasite maybe, or in the case of what I always call a never well since situation, maybe when you had terrible food poisoning while maybe at home, a restaurant, or even while traveling, well, the issue has kind of persisted on and off and you don't realize that it's still from that situation. That's what I call a never well since. Now, generally speaking, gas comes from fermenting foods in your gut, and that's either from the foods themselves that you're eating or from the existing gut bacteria, the balance of that being off. Now, today we're going to have a look at the foods that can create the gassiness, the pain, the IBS, and more, and those fall under the FODMAP foods. Now, I know you're dying to know what on earth this stands for, so let's get there now. Now, the F, that stands for fermentable foods that make gas when they are digested. The O, the D, the M, O, D, M, and the P, P, and the word and in there, or the A in there is just for the for the word and. Well, they stand for different shapes of sugars, different structures of sugars or, or saccharides. You must have heard of oligosaccharides before. Well, that's a few saccharides or sugars. Those are found in beans and peas and lentils. They're also found in things called alliums, which are garlic and onions. Then there's also the cruciferous vegetables, which are like your cabbage, your broccoli. Uh, cauliflower comes under this one as well. And then there's also wheat, barley, and rye. Now, this is different from gluten because there's a gluten protein, which upsets people. But really, we're talking about the carb portion of this. Then there's also disaccharides, which are two sugars. Or monosaccharides, which is one sugar, not that you need to know this, but a slight science lesson if you head back to biology in the beginning. Now, these are found in dairy called lactose and fructose or fruit sugar. And then we've talked about high fructose corn syrup a bunch of times, too. A lot of these. Oh, hang on. I forgot the P. The P are, are polyols. These are sugar alcohols, and these are actually found in stone fruits like your peaches, your apricots, and what else has a stone in the middle of it? Avocado. Oh, who knew? Artificial sweeteners also have a lot of these sugar alcohols in them. So like your sugar-free gum and things like that, maybe your medication, they have these polyols in them. So the F, it's a fermentable. 
O, D, M, and P, those are the different types of sugars. So that's where the FODMAP, that acronym, which really nobody nobody thought about another way of saying it, or maybe they did. Maybe they just sat, sat down at a table and put all the letters in the middle and then tried to, you know, kind of make something that rolled <laughs> off your tongue. <laughs> According to you, Chris, they, they sucked at it. They, but, they I don't failed know. miserably. <laughs> <laughs> So these FODMAPs, they are a type of carbohydrate, right? So it's the sugar that's found in certain foods. Now, yes, carbs, they give us energy. And when we eat fat and protein, we get that from that too. But that's not what we're talking about here. People with IBS or a slow moving gut, there's something called a slow transit, which from your mouth to the toilet basically is a is a transit time that I sometimes look at with people. And if it's super slow, then we know that there's some sort of there's an issue going on there. There's other bowel disorders that may not tolerate foods. Well, foods that have this FODMAP in it, well, have all these sugars in it because they're not easily absorbed by the bowel. Now, just a quick side note, sometimes you can also get gas from poorly absorbed FODMAPs because they pull in extra water to the intestines and then that moves from kind of gassiness all the way to diarrhea. So there's a whole bunch of layers to all of this. So yes, this is all about the carbohydrates. It's not about fat or protein. So all the foods from meat to poultry, fish, eggs, butter, oils, hard cheeses do not fall under this diet at all. This just There's no FODMAP. There's no levels of fermentation necessarily coming from this. And this would, any of those foods that upset you would come under something else. So let's just differentiate those, those two things there. So let's talk about some of these sugars that are found in the foods. Fructose, you've heard of that one before, right? It's naturally occurring in all fruits, bunch of vegetables and honey. Fruits and fruit juices, well, they have a higher level of fructose and they sometimes can cause a lot of gas, bloating, abdominal cramps and diarrhea. For some people, even a small amount of fruit juice can just worsen all the symptoms. Now, glucose is also a naturally occurring sugar. When you find that on a label of something that's not naturally occurring, then you got to know that this is also something that's going to potentially cause you a problem. Now, fruits and fruit juices with more glucose and less fructose, well, they might be okay for your belly, but that's what the FODMAP diet is about. It's taking out a lot of the potential foods or the high FODMAP foods, which I'll come on to, and then seeing how you feel without them in your life. All right. Now, some of the low FODMAP fruits, because if we're talking about fructose, so let's start here just so you can start to think about, hmm, when was the last time I ate a banana and how did I feel after after it? If you felt okay, well, great, because that's a low FODMAP fruit. Also on the list, which you'll find all over on leannephillipson.com, we've got blueberries, cantaloupe, That one you can go crazy with. All of these low FODMAP fruits are especially, are fine basically for you to be eating. I like to start off with what you can eat before you go and take everything away and think, oh my God, I'm going to starve. But if you like cantaloupe and blueberries and bananas, grapefruit, well, that's also low FODMAP fruit. Grapes, honeydew, kiwi. I'm glad about that because I love kiwis, especially those golden kiwis. Have you ever had those, Chris? No. They're more like yellow than the, than they are green. 
oh, they are amazing and like almost smoother than a green kiwi. Delicious. Lemons, limes, oranges, papaya, passion fruit. Oh, that's a lovely one when you feel like it. Pineapple, raspberries, rhubarb, more of a seasonal one for sure, unless you buy it frozen. Strawberries. Well, I know you can find those all year round, but they don't taste so good unless they're in the summer. Tangelos, they come out at this time of year. So all of those are low FODMAP fruits. Now the high FODMAP fruits, which means these are ones that you're going to start to avoid or just start thinking about, oh yeah, I have an apple. Like actually I do. I eat an apple pretty much every day because honey crisper are in season and I love them. So apple and applesauce, avocados, blackberries, any dried fruits, obviously anything that's gone from having all that water in it to not is more concentrated. So that's like your raisins, your dates, your currants, all of those kind of things. Any fruit juice, definite high FODMAP fruit, uh, lychees, pears, persimmons, watermelons, and all the stone fruits from apricots to cherries, mango. Bummer. I love mango. Nectarines, peaches, plums, and prunes. Now, Typically, and again, I've got all these notes on leannephillipson.com. Typically, you're about half a cup of fruit um, or like a, a medium baseball size every single day is probably okay. Maybe one or two servings, fresh or frozen, maybe better tolerated than canned fruit. I hope there's anybody listening is not really someone who goes and buys canned fruit because it's basically fruit that could, you know, live for 20 years in some sort of sugary syrup. So frozen is a much, much better way to go. Everyone's tolerance is going to be a little bit different, but typically your dried fruits, your fruit juices, and the list that I gave you of the high FODMAP, well, that's a first place to look at. Your low FODMAP veggies, which you can eat at will on this particular diet, are bamboo shoots, bok choy, lovely green vegetable that's great in a stir fry, carrots, celery, chives that just adds a bit of zip to anything that you might want to cucumbers cucumber goes really well in your water as well as just eating them eggplant green beans kale some people may be saying oh fucker i don't i don't like that i don't want that on the list can that not be on the high fodmap list please? You know, the, the, the weirdest thing about that list is you started with bamboo shoots yeah I mean, I, i'm i i've seen i've seen the odd panda uh indulge <laughs> in a bamboo shoot i've never seen uh, a human being eat bamboo before bamboo shoots you know the you know the they're long and white and slim and they have like a little seedy type thing on the end you can get them in in the supermarkets oh, oh that's a bamboo shoot okay yeah, right. well, see, yeah. I'm, I'm picturing typically in thai food i'm picturing ikea furniture uh made of uh, bamboo nice okay <laughs> i see i see where you're coming from whoa, yeah. whoa whoa did she just say bamboo shoots and then you moved on casually as if that yeah. wasn't a, a a surprising thing so that's all right <laughs> uh, I, it, again i'm misinformed and nope. a, a little it's on the dull side of the knife and we're fine there's it's good some other loyal listener out there saying what did she say and what are those things am i supposed to go like you said is, is this only down under where the koalas live like what <laughs> anyway i i I, I, okay. I messed up your flow back to the, okay. the, the food back you can to eat. it okay lettuce parsnips pumpkin Radish, bell peppers, any kind of color, red bell peppers, spinach. You've got squash on this part of the list as well of eating sweet potato. Thank goodness. I love sweet potato, turnip, white potato, and zucchini. 
Now on the avoid list, there's a couple in here isn't that, that weird? I... Yeah, like weird that you'd have to avoid any vegetable. It, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It is. So artichokes, asparagus, beets. You know how much I love beets and yeah. telling everybody to go and eat their beets. Broccoli. I I do genuinely love broccoli. I don't think that that's a, that's a nutritionist thing. I really enjoy broccoli Cabbage a lot. Cabbage has to be on there. Cabbage has it to be. Yeah. Yes. And the little version is the Brussels sprouts. Oh, see, Cauliflower. I, I just got into this Brussels sprouts, bacon, onion, and mm. butter recipe that a friend of mine right? got me on. And, whoa, so good. It's incredible. Oh, my God. It's like, that's the only way I'll eat Brussels sprouts, because otherwise they were just like boiled. What what, what my mom used yeah. to do to them. I was yeah. like, having none, having none of it. But, oh, roasted and the outside leaves are crispy and all that. Oh, love them. Anyway, these are on the high FODMAP. So these are ones that you want to think about. Have I been eating them? And... What do I, you know, how am I going to feel if I take them out? So cauliflower, like I said, fennel, garlic, oh, garlic. I don't Mm. know that I could live without garlic. It's in everything too. Green bell peppers. So I'm sorry. I said all bell peppers in the low FODMAP and that's not true. Green bell peppers are in high FODMAP list. Leeks, mushrooms, okra, onions, shallots, sweet corn, and tomato paste. So that's all on the high FODMAP. Uh, list that you really kind of want to start to think about. I mean, the first step, I'm going to go through the actual steps shortly, but the first step really is to think about, oh yeah, I've eaten some of these foods. Now, as well as all these fruits and vegetables, then we've also got dairy, right? I mean, that's a really big one. So on your low FODMAP diet, so again, these are all the foods that you can enjoy. We've got kefir, lactose-free milk. Remember, because lactose is a sugar, lactose-free cottage cheese, yogurt, any kind of hard or aged cheese, butter, cream, or cream cheese. What you can't have or what you want to think about on a high FODMAP um, diet removing is just your straight milk, your normal yogurt, uh, ice cream, cottage cheese, and ricotta cheese. Now, I'm actually going to edit that because most yogurt, I don't know why on a label they put that it is lactose-free. Maybe they do a little test to it. So I'll adjust what I'm going to say here because really most yogurt is lactose-free because in order to ferment it, it eats up the lactose to take it from milk to yogurt. So if this is you, then maybe do go for something that says lactose-free. Maybe there's another step in manufacturing that I'm not aware of, but just to know, generally speaking, if you're super stuck and you go and eat plain yogurt, I think you're probably going to be okay. Now, some of the grains, the low FODMAP grains are quinoa, rice, millet. I don't really do much with millet. It's not a very nice grain or it's not a very exciting grain, although maybe it's just because I'm not doing the right things with it. Cornmeal and most gluten-free products, although not all. Now, on the avoid list here of high FODMAP foods, and remember, this is carbohydrates. This is not just to go gluten-free, is wheat, barley, and rye. Now, there's also like a list that has sort of a moderate type of um, FODMAP level. Now, that's oats, buckwheat, sourdough, white, white bread. So you can kind of have a little bit of that. Or if you have to go for something and you can't stay away from it, then that's definitely on your list there. Now, legumes and nuts. These are pretty big. So from here, you can do pumpkin seeds. You can do sesame seeds and sunflower seeds and medium to firm tofu. Because don't forget that soy is also a legume. Now, high FODMAP foods are your soy. So think all your silken tofu. When was the last time you had tofu, Chris? In the summertime. 
yeah. I went to a barbecue and and sure enough, they grilled up some tofu. And it's yeah. the first time I've eaten it and not hated it, I must admit. Yeah. That they, because yeah. the way they did it, and I think it tends to suck out a lot of the moisture that's in tofu. Yeah. And so they, the consistency was more like chicken. So they just, they seasoned right. it up much like she, they would a barbecue chicken breast. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. Yep. It was pretty good. And that's always going to come from that firm tofu because it's already not like sort of jellyfied, like right. the silken tofu, which you can throw into a smoothie or I'm not really sure. Lots of people do different things with it. It's just never been a favorite texture of mine, but on the high FODMAP, diet, your soy, and unfortunately, things like edamame, your soy nuts, your soy milk, and most other tofus that's on it, your beans, your chickpeas, which really is what they make hummus from. I do love a good hummus, lentils, pistachios, and cashews. So your drinks, things you still can have. So for all you coffee drinkers out there, you can still have your filtered coffee. You can have your espresso. You can have your green tea, your peppermint tea, your black tea. So I'd pretty much live on that right now. So that's a really good thing. And of your drinks, then really got to stay away from that high fructose corn syrup, crystalline fructose. Sometimes it's called your juices like apple juice, apple cider, instant coffee. That's definitely a no-no. Chamomile tea and fennel tea are also on the high FODMAP list. It's not a particularly intuitive list, I think, is also what I want to bring up here, having just gone through all of that. Sweeteners, actually, I haven't I haven't talked about. So uh, let's talk about the ones that you can eat. So actually, granulated sugar, oddly, is on that on this OK list. Evaporated cane juice, brown sugar, brown rice syrup, pure maple syrup, corn syrup, sugarcane, molasses, aspartame, saccharin, sucralose, and stevia. Now, those are on a low FODMAP list. On the high FODMAP list, you've got high fructose corn syrup, you've got honey, you've got agave, sugar beet molasses, sorbitol, which you've got going to see on so many labels, xylitol, mannitol, and uh, malt maltiol. So all of those, again, all of this list is going to be on leannephillipson.com and you can probably just Google and find a million lists that you've got on there as well. So these kind of foods and things like the sorbitol, the sugar alcohol, which are a lot of artificial sweeteners, sadly. So, so it's really important that you just do a little bit of research eliminating the FODMAPs from your diet. If you're still having some sort of symptoms and things like that, I'm just going to say it many times again, as I did in the, in the last episode about candida is please make sure that you're reaching out to someone. This is not really, this is not a long-term diet, really. It's a big fat test. So getting help is your best case scenario. I've worked with clients for years and years, taking foods out of their diet and putting them back in to see how they do when they've taken any kind of food out. And let me tell you, discerning the symptoms and how things unfold in either the elimination stage or the reintroduction stage can be really confusing. So you do need to bounce this off of someone else who knows what they're looking for. So help is essential. Before I get into all the steps, I want you to remember again, this is short term and we all don't like change, taking foods out of your diet, feeling that deprivation, you know, it can be really high. So keep your eye on the prize, knowing that once you feel better, once you're getting information from your body, you know that really by following this is to get some relief from what's going on. Further to that, when 
you know, I do an energetic method of testing. We've had Coach Jay uh, talk to us in different episodes. He does something called EAV. Uh, Dr. Davis Brockenshire, he does muscle testing. So there's a lot of other things that can be going on underneath the symptoms that you've got. And, you know, really someone to get to that in terms of, is the bacteria off? Do I have a parasite? Following up with gut healing as well as this diet, because I think it's going to be able to give you some relief in the short term, but you got to figure out as well as what are your triggers. you got to know that this is a multi-layered situation and it's not just one thing. All right. So let's get back to it. The low FODMAP diet, it's not traditional. You're going to try it for a little while. So you're going to maybe in your head kind of think about three months in total, maybe a little bit longer. It's a learning process for you to find out what makes your symptoms worse and what have you got left over? So first you look over the list of low FODMAP foods, you know, that you can enjoy and the high FODMAP foods that you might think, hmm, if I eat a little bit too much of that, then yeah, my belly blows up and I don't feel good or I'm running to the washroom or I actually feel nauseous, which would be terrible. Now, if you feel a lot better by taking those foods out, then maybe that's all you need to do. Unless it's like a major food group. Whenever I take someone off of dairy, for instance, they get terribly worried about all of a sudden becoming deficient in calcium. So know that while you're doing this, while you're taking these foods out of your diet, which needs to happen for between two and sometimes six weeks until you really know, then for that period of time, you're probably going to be okay unless you're deficient already. That's why you need to reach out for help and you need to have someone else kind of you know, walking you along all of this because taking any amount of foods out of your diet for a long period of time can really make you deficient. And we're talking about a lot of carbohydrate rich foods, a lot of the foods, you know, colorful. Think about all those foods I said, Chris, they're all sorts of colors on there. And what do I talk about all the time? Eat, eat high antioxidant foods to make sure that you're getting the anti-inflammatory benefits just overall. And here I am saying, no, please go and take out your green peppers or go take out your broccoli, which is high in magnesium. So we don't want to do this forever. It is for a period of time. Then after about six to eight weeks of cutting out those high FODMAP foods, then you're going to bring them back in, but you're going to only bring them back in one at a time. That way, if your symptoms get worse, you're going to know if it caused it. If you sit down and eat a plate of broccoli and cauliflower and have some cabbage on the side, even if it's like sauerkraut or something like that, then you're not going to know which one was the problem. And really the point of this is so that you can get to a place where you feel a little more in control of what's going on. Now, the reintroduction of these foods is where it can really start to get interesting. And while there hasn't been like a boatload of research done on all of this, generally speaking, the best way to bring foods back in is start with some of the lower FODMAP diet foods if you have taken them out because you're like, yep, I know that that's a problem. And then you slowly work up to the medium and then up to the high FODMAP uh, food sources. You want to bring in one at a time and you want to try that for about three days and see how you feel. So this is where charting and writing things down and keeping your lists is really, really important. Now, most people, they probably just jump straight back into their favorite FODMAP foods. And that's totally fine, too, because if there's something that you're really missing after eating all those vegetables and you think, I really just want some broccoli, maybe said no one, or maybe said someone, I don't really know. <laughs> then of course you can start on that front because until it's gone, you'd like, oh gosh, I didn't even know. First of all, like cantaloupe and melon are not really a favorite food of mine, but if all the other fruits and vegetables are gone, 
then maybe I'm going to bring that one back in again, you know, and think, oh gosh, this is great. And I absolutely love this. So you might even find that you find like, you know, a whole new appreciation of different foods. Whereas if you just hate asparagus, it's like, great. Now there's an excuse not to eat asparagus anymore because that's a high fat <laughs> food or damn, I don't have to eat the broccoli anymore or have the cauliflower, you know, but for somebody who's eating pizza with cauliflower, you know, the using it as a, as the base for, uh, for their pizza and that's gone. Well, that can be a problem. So bring it back in, have that as your first foods that are going to come back in again. So this really is a step-by-step process. And I'm going to say it again, not necessarily to be done on your own. I don't actually know what would happen if you went into your doctor and said, I'm going to try this FODMAP diet. They might say, huh? Like you did Christopher's? <laughs> You're what? What collection of, who, who put that name together? And what is that one all about? Yep. But start to do your research, look into it, listen to this again, check out the list of the foods and think, and you can maybe yourself start putting that together that, holy, I didn't know that this food actually is a trigger. And because you're only going to take it out for a little while, like I said, you might use it as an excuse forever, but it's a, a way for you to figure things out. Just all the questions that you have and you, when you can't line things up and put things together, it's really frustrating. It's a good place to start to write down what you're you're currently eating always go a cup take a couple of weeks and just jot down so don't change anything but just jot down because there may be lots of foods on this on these lists that you don't mm-hmm. consume period yeah. uh and so Absolutely. therefore you know you can start eliminating right off the get-go once you kind of get oh, an yeah. idea of what you're consuming yeah. over a and two per, or three week period persimmon persimmons for instance is maybe something that you don't ever eat or have never eaten <laughs> right. in which case you're like I don't care. That's totally fine. (laughs) Or watermelon when it's not summertime. It's not a problem. And it's not a problem. But what I would suggest you do is you get a get a chart. You can get this and print it off on leannephillipson.com. And then in the first week, you said a couple of weeks, Chris, I would say during a week, you have your food, your food diary. I take this from people. First thing with any client that I see, I'm asking them for a food diary. What is it that you're eating and drinking all day long? And it tells me so much about their health and, and really where their triggers are coming from and things like that. So Start by writing down, just like you said, um, Chris, start by writing it down and then have the chart next to it and then start to put in, oh, yeah, on Tuesday, I was really gassy. And then maybe can you put it back to the fact that you had an apple like me in the morning, kind of as your breakfast with maybe almond butter? That's a favorite snack of mine. And where are almonds? I'm just looking at my chart here because I don't have all of these memorized. So nuts, yeah, they're definitely not on this list that I have here. So I'm going to look into that because sometimes I do end up gassy at the end of the day. Is it my apple and uh, and almond butter? I'm not sure. But those are the kind of things you can start to be in awareness of before you go just like thinking, that's it. I'm taking everything out of my diet. (laughs) That's not not the point here. (laughs) This can really be just a completely, you know, step process, one step, two step, three step. So I love your interjection there. Great. Thank you for that, Chris. These FODMAP foods just to recap, are foods that can cause discomfort, bloating, gassiness, the IBS, the constipation to the diarrhea, and even nausea. If you're going to cut out these high FODMAP foods, you need to do it for between two and eight weeks. Then going to add them all back in again, but one by one to see if they cause issues. No big salad of all the foods that you've just taken out again, because you're not going to know what is the problem. 
all stages really being followed by by some sort of healthcare provider like myself, a registered nutritionist, a dietitian, whoever it is that you see or have on your team for this is really key. You don't want to end up deficient or also worth mentioning is triggering any food restrictive behaviors because sometimes people who have who are in that place where they move to saying, oh, I'm going to take all of these things out. You know, we've got anorexia type behaviors, eating disorders. We don't want to trigger any of that. So really absolutely have um, have support at that point because you've got to reintroduce these foods. This is not a long-term restriction, but long enough to give your gut a rest and then you try them again. Now, the healing portion that is not really talked about as a part of this diet is also crucial, too. So that's where the support also comes in to work with a nutritionist or someone else who specializes in gut health to make sure that you're not just saying for the rest of your life, all right, I'm just going to take this food out of my diet. Sure, there could be like a genetic situation to this. I definitely don't feel great when I sit and eat a whole avocado. I mean, I don't really sit and eat an avocado, but if I have a lot of avocado, probably more than the kind of half a cup that I talked about earlier, I just don't feel great. I don't tend to go crazy on uh, on guacamole, but if it's in the middle of sushi or something like that, it's probably okay. Now, what have I put that down to? Well, I know that my blood type is O and O blood types don't do great with avocado. And I tried to just piece that one together myself. Would it show up in a genetic test? Well, I'm waiting for my results because we talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't we, Chris? And I, uh, I'm really interested to see what that what comes up for me there. But we kind of know sometimes. Is there a food for you, Chris, that you haven't? And you're just like, I just don't feel great, even though I keep trying it. Yeah, raisins are a big one for yep. me. Uh, I've only recently noticed that. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite things is a bowl of raisin bran. Uh, and yep. chocolate-covered raisins are a huge I realize that they're extremely healthy for me. I know, but right. I just can't stop. Uh, but so I've yep. had to, I've literally had to to take them completely out of the diet because, and right. <laughs> you know, and one that I will admit has been a bit of a difficult grind, and that's beer. Oh, you've <laughs> yeah. taken beer out? Almost, almost, almost. I am now. Wow. When it comes, I I still drink. Let's not yep. get crazy here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but on the beer side of things, I am now just a social beer drinker. I don't okay. go out and just crack one for the sake of cracking one anymore. Okay. And that's because of how it affects my how it makes me feel. <laughs> right. I, I, I should just I should just hand in hand you my man card and have you cut it up for me. It's 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 just one of those things where now that I'm older. Yep. Uh, not as old as Leanne, but not now that I'm older. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. Um, That's okay. But uh, yeah, it just uh, it my body's not agreeing with it, with it anymore. So I I've right. taken the step to say, you know what? I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't care how much I love it. I kind of like feeling good more than an I love yes. beer. So yeah. <sighs> and that's really where where you get to. Hard. I've had to do I've had to do the same thing with red wine. <laughs> oh, see, red red wine is just divine. And I will never forget in the uh, All About Booze episode when Dr. B told us about the French red wine mm. being they, you know, cleaner and less um, less additives and things like that. And I thought, oh, great. Finally, I can drink red wine again. <laughs> and there are times when I think, oh, gosh, I really just want one and I'll have one and then realize afterwards that it was a California or something like that. 
it wasn't worth it. Yeah, that's tough. It's just not 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 worth the headache that I get, you know, the next day because that's one of my one of the things that you know that I that I suffer with. And anything that I can do not to have a headache is a high priority. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, genetically, maybe some of these foods are not right for you, but. Generally speaking, you've got to rule out not only what are the foods that are not sitting right with you, like avocado for me and raisins and beer for Chris, but there could be some other issues like candida parasites or some other microbiome imbalance that's going on there. Now, eliminate products, um, generally speaking, from the list that I've got, but I just also really wanted to quickly mention the honey, sorbitol on the label, these sugar alcohols, and sometimes they can be in your medications. Sometimes they're in diet foods, sometimes they're in diabetic foods like drinks, ice cream, candy, processed foods where, you know, you're looking for something that's diabetic friendly. So that's sorbitol, isomalt, lacteal, maltiol, mannitol, xylitol, and urethritol, all of these, and lacteal. So all of these are part of that sugar alcohol category. Again, that whole list is on leannephillipson.com. So really make sure that you have a look at that. Some medications like your gel caps, your gel Advil liquid gels, things like that can have those in there. Now that would, would probably be for somebody who is super duper sensitive, but otherwise you really just want to make sure that you're hitting everything. If you're someone like me who suffers with headaches and then you go and take your medications and things like that, then know that there's also a lot of those ingredients in there too. All right. So we've gone from what the is a FODMAP to, okay, I just think you blew my brains with all the different foods and things like that. So this one might be worth a listen again, and also really one to head over to leannephillipson.com for the list of those foods. And as Chris quite rightly said, start off with writing down what you're eating right now, if you're not doing that already. And then with a discerning eye, if you want to give it a go yourself before you reach out and say, Leanne, I really need you to help me with my food diary or and you really need some help with this list. Can you help me along with what on earth am I going to eat? Because all those high FODMAP foods that you've just mentioned are part of my everyday. I am not asking you to starve yourself at all. There are ways in which to incorporate all of these foods into your diet so that you're getting the nutrients that you need. And sometimes a supplement might need to be added into that as well. So share this with anyone who you think needs it rate it, put a comment on wherever it is that you're listening to eat this with Leanne, reach out on social media or on leannephillipson.com or spreadright.com. And I will get back to you. Got a bit faster lately. Things have calmed down in my life a little bit more that I can get back to everybody much speedier. All the social media channels are Leanne Phillipson or Spreadright, and you'll find me there and a lot more information to boot. Can we do uh, the FODMAP people a, a favor and come up with a better name before we go? I got a couple more <laughs> okay. here. Got a couple more okay. here. All right. Uh, All right. The, the DAF Mop. It's not bad. DAF Mop? Yeah. Oh, here's a, here's a good one. Yes. The Dip Foam. So D-P-F-O-A-M. The Dip Foam Diet. Yeah, I'm just going to nix that one right now. <laughs> come on, Dip Foam. That's kind of... <laughs> no. You can put that on a t-shirt. Dip Foam. Kind of I'm sound. following the dip foam diet? Really? <laughs> yeah. 
that's it. Everyone loves foam. It's a beer, and it's on lattes, and everyone loves foam. Big old dip foam party. No, not good. No, sorry. Right. Nice try, though. I'm glad that you've been sitting there as I've been reaming off all these foods and coming up with another name for the FODMAP, FODMAP diet. This is awesome. <laughs> We do get a lot of comments about how much people have a lovely belly laugh while they're in the car or walking or wherever they're listening to this. So we do love hearing that, too. And we're coming up to the 100th episode, Chris. Yes, that's incredible. Isn't it? And if you're listening to this pretty much as it's as it's being released and you have like an epiphany moment from any of the past 98, 97 episodes that you want to share with us and be featured in the 100th episode, then please reach out uh, on leannephillipson.com or spreadright.com. And because I know my loyal listeners, you've had that like light bulb, that moment, that that aha moment where you're like, what? So I've already, I'm collecting a list already and it's going to be an interesting 100th episode that's going to be really special. And because to honor everybody that listens, we want to include you too. So send those in and then uh, we're going to put together something really, really cool. But in the meantime, like I said, share, rate, let everybody else know that this is a really good podcast and a really fun one to make sure that you tune into and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go forth be healthy. But above all else, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.